Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 101. I'm excited to be preaching on Psalms 101. We are in the middle of uh, our summer of Psalms. And it's going to be a good thing. So if you don't, haven't received the notes yet, if you came in and didn't get them, uh, the ushers are here. Just wave, wave your hand at one of them. They'll get you the notes. Um, it's good to take notes. It helps us retain information. And also to see if I do anything wrong, you can say, hey, that's not in the notes. Don't do that. I'm a student ministries pastor, guys. I like class participation. I'm going to let you know in advance. So if I ask you a question, don't just look at me. Please shout out the answer or whatnot. Let's turn. Psalms 101, verse 1. It says this in the New King James Version. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. O when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall minister to me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house, and he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And you're probably saying, wait, what? He's preaching on that? Yes, I am. Tonight, my key text is obviously Psalms 101, but first, I want to give a little bit of a backstory for you. Let's look at the book of Joshua first. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says this at the very end of that verse. It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua had just got done telling the nation of Israel, choose for yourself this day whom you shall serve. And see, he went on to tell them because he was their leader who he would serve. See, Joshua had influence. He was an entire nation. He was like the president, the king. They didn't have such a thing, but he was their leader. He was the one leading them into the promised land. And he said, since I have influence with you, I'm going to let you know whom I serve. And he said, I want you to choose today, this day, not tomorrow, but this day, whom you will serve. This is important because tonight I want to address the leaders in this room. Now, we don't all recognize it at times, but we are all leaders in some way or another. Leadership is influence. You've heard Pastor Ken say that a lot. Leadership is influence. If you have influence with somebody in your life, if you're a parent, you're a leader of your home. If you're in a dating relationship, become the leader in striving to be godly. If you're at at work, be the leader to strive to be the best employee around you. If you're a boss, you're obviously a leader. You're fired, right? No, hopefully you don't have to say that often. You might be a dad or a mom 
And this is important for you because I'm, uh, later on in, the, in this message, I'm going to talk to you directly. But it's also for those who are single, those of you who uh, um, are, are Christians and those of you who aren't Christians. See, when it comes to living a life that stands apart from the mire of normalcy, we don't like normal. I mean, a lot of us do, don't get me wrong. All the introverts raised your hand, don't do it. Um, but we all kind of like the same old, same old sometimes. But we don't want our lives to just be blah. We don't want it to be, uh, eh, you know. We, wanna, we want our lives to stand out. We want our lives to mean something, right? We want to we wanna stand for something. We want people to take notice because here I was, this is my mark on the world. My life mattered for something. And this is what we all desire in life in some form or another. But see, you might be a Christian in here or maybe you're not. I'm glad you're here because this message is not only for Christians. If you're at a place in your life where you aren't sure what to call yourself or you don't identify yourself as a Christian, <laughs> great. I'm excited that you're here because church is not just for Christians. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. That's one of the great things about inviting somebody that's not a Christian to church because church isn't for Christians. Pastor, what are you saying? You're right. Church is for the unchurched. Now about Psalms 101, let's get back to our key text. David wrote Psalms 101. Now, if we know anything about David, we know that he's a man after God's own heart. God said that about David. He was a man who God was like, that's my boy right there. You're the junk. I, you know what? You remind me of me. At your age, never that I was at your age, but you remind me of me, right? We, ha we all kind of have somebody like that if we're mentoring somebody and you have somebody younger than you and you're like, man, you remind me of me. You, I like you. See, that was what God was saying about David. But he was one of the greatest kings that Israel or even the world even recognizes was one of the greatest kings of all time. And he wrote this, um, this psalm or this ode to God about his life. See, David, he knew a, two, a thing or two about this topic, what we're about to talk about. He, and, and you can recognize that in some of his life's challenges. He wasn't always the nicest guy. He wasn't always the greatest king. He, he made some major mistakes in his life. So he had his ups and downs. And he, but the thing is, he learned his lesson from his failures. He learned his lessons the hard way about what he was writing. He wanted to leave a legacy to his children, and he did. And because he did, his son is considered the greatest, even above him, the greatest king in history. Not just of Israel, but in history. You can talk about uh, the wealthiest king in the world. Oh, Solomon. Oh, the wisest king in the world. Oh, yeah, that was Solomon too. Wait, the same guy? Yeah, it was. See, David left a legacy to his son, See, I want to leave a legacy to my children, yes. But I don't want to just leave a legacy to my children. To be honest, maybe that's just pride in me, but it's really not. I want to leave, leave a legacy to the world. 
I wanna leave a legacy with my coworkers, with those that I go to school with, those that I'm at the store with, those who walk uh, or are just friends with me. I wanna leave a legacy that people are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I believe there's a country song about like, you know, a guy who's looking back uh, at, at his funeral. I think there's something like that and we're in Texas so you all know that song. So how do you leave a legacy though? How do you leave a legacy? It's a question. No hands are being raised. This is when I'd usually make you feel uncomfortable about yourself as a teenager, but I'm really not going today. I'm not gonna call you out, so I'll just answer the question. I still see no hands. All right, fine. You live your life as though you are a legacy. Wait, what? Here's some points that I want us to see. Let's look at Psalms 101, verse one and two. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. O will, when will you come to me? The first point of leaving a legacy that I see in this scripture that David was talking about is he sang praises. We, if we want to leave a legacy, we need to sing, we need to be praisers. We need to sing praises to God. And, and you're like, but I thought you said this wasn't just for Christians. It's not. <laughs> all, through the, all through history, there's many people who did not identify with Christianity or those who didn't even um, uh, call God their own God who still recognized God and sang his praises. Many kings that fought against the nation of Israel, many other religions, they're like, dude, your God rocks. Even other people recognize God's greatness. We, though, we who identify as Christians, we need to be praisers. We need to be someone who sings his praises. See, what David was saying here is that he would praise the Lord and it would be a lifestyle. His lifestyle was a lifestyle of praise. It would become a part of him and how he operated in his day-to-day life because he was going to live his life as a worshiper. He would start to become more aware. Because he was a worshiper, he became more aware of the presence of God in his life. Because that verse didn't just stop there in verse one where it said, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. At the, at the beginning of verse two is where I see Why? See, David said he would behave wisely in a perfect way, so that way God's presence would always be with him. See, back then, the presence of God didn't live on the inside of people. It hovered over them. And, and, but today, we, we don't have that. We have the presence of God living on the inside of us. But what David was saying, because I crave, because I desire... It's something that I long for. He would behave wisely in a perfect way. God's presence was something that David craved and longed for. And, and last week I was teaching the, the teenagers about wisdom. And, it, and in, in the book of Proverbs, it says that wisdom should be something that they crave more than silver or gold or costly gems. But here's my thing. Wisdom, the Bible says... Uh, is found in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, when you are seeking after God and you're craving him, 
You're gonna do whatever it takes to be with him. You're gonna do whatever it takes to be in his presence. See, my question for us that label ourselves Christians or who call on the name of the Lord and and that have been saved, uh, do you crave the presence of God? David said, if you wanna leave a legacy, you need to be a praiser. He was, uh, we have the presence of God living in us, yes, but do we take it for granted? See, David didn't want, to li- want it to be granted. See, he was a king that, that, that was labeled a man after God's own heart, but he didn't take even that for granted. He's like, I have the favor of God on me. I can do whatever I want. No, he still craved, desired daily the presence of God. He still, the Bible says, he would meditate on the Lord's law day and night. He would stay up all night long, the scriptures say, uh, oh, just even just reading the Bible. My question's for you. When was the last time you did that? But I have a job, Pastor Josh. Yeah, so did he. He was a king. Let's go on. Do you crave the manifested presence of God? At your job? Can we, can we be real for a minute? Suddenly you're around your coworkers <clears throat> and you're like, Lord, just show yourself strong right here. Suddenly the manifested presence of God shows up in a, in a wonderful way. I mean, let's just even take it in the Old Testament for a moment, just like God operated in the Old Testament. Suddenly a pillar of fire, just a big old blazing fire appeared right before you. Is that something that you crave right in front of your coworkers at work? <clears throat> or maybe a, a cloud uh, 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 just su- suddenly hovering around you? Maybe this, a burning bush. Or how about this? Maybe a booming voice like the apostle Paul had where those around him heard it and scattered. Do we crave the presence of God in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe when you're watching that movie, you know that movie, yeah, you're thinking about it right now. You know that movie you just saw, you know you shouldn't have, or you're hoping nobody sees that you're at the movie theater, but then they're in the same theater as you are, and you're like, oh, what are they doing here? I can't believe they would go see the, oh, I'm in the same movie. Would you want the presence of God to suddenly just show up strong right there? I mean, you know, when you're in the presence of God, let's just say here at church and you got goosebumps and you know, you're just like, oh, Jesus. And you're like weeping and there's like snot freely flowing, right? You know that, you know that feeling. You want to experience that in your day-to-day life when you're around your coworkers, maybe in front of your children, or maybe, you, maybe you're in a dating relationship and you're like around your you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. You want the presence of God like that in that moment? Well, David said he did. Oh, when will you come to me? Jesus, he was saying, come to me right now. Come to me right now. Be with me every moment of the day. He even said, if I were to even go to the the depths of Sheol or hell, you would be there with me. When will you come to me? He desired, he craved the presence of God. And it's something that we should do as well. See, David wanted to have God show up everywhere and all the time in his life. He didn't want to just wait until he went to church. Did you hear me? He didn't want to wait when he was just in church. Am I stepping on somebody's toes? I'm sorry, but I'm not. 
The more you experience the power of God in your daily living, the more you will desire him and want to have him show up all the time. God's presence will change your life. Yeah, you can write that down. God's presence will change your life. Let's look at verse two. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. David knew from firsthand experience the importance of what he was saying. He had already experienced his own defeat due to his vice with Bathsheba. You know the story of David and Bathsheba. He went and murdered a man for his wife. You know that story. If you don't, you can look it up. David messed up royally, had an affair, killed a man so he could have the dude's wife just to cover up her pregnancy. And he messed up royally, but the Bible still said that he was a man after God's own heart. How do you figure? See, he knew his own defeat. From, that being said, though, he repented and learned from his own failure. Due to learning from it, his desire was to show us, to show those who he was leaving his legacy, don't make the mistakes that I made. Don't set anything wicked before your eyes. I hate even the work of evil in my own house, it won't cling to me. My own heart, the, a perverse heart shall even depart from me. I will not know wickedness, he said. It was, a, it was, it was like Romans chapter 12, where it says, I abhor what is evil. I hate what is evil, Romans, Paul said in Romans. And I cling to that which is good. Have we gotten to a place in our own lives that we hate, we hate the things that are wrong in our own lives? I hate, I hate messing up. I'm a man, I hate it. I love winning. I love playing my son at chess so I can win and gloat. <laughs> What's wrong, 10 year old? Can't beat me? <laughs> Keep practicing, boy. Keep practicing. You know, I'm a guy. See, but do I... Okay, I'm not that mean. <laughs> but I, I came to a point, I remember reading this scripture when I was around 15, 16 years old, and I, and I asked myself this, do I really hate what is evil? Do I hate what is evil? Even the side of it, New Testament talks about. Even the side of it, I won't even go near. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. This is what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Who's ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? He's a very old theologian. He's dead. That's how old he is. This is what he said. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Piety must begin at our homes. Our first duties are to those within our own abode. We must have a perfect heart at home or we cannot keep a perfect way abroad. Notice that these words are part of a song and that there is no music like the harmony of a gracious life. No psalm so sweet as the daily practice of holiness. 
reader, churchgoers, how fares it with your family? Do you sing in the choir in church? And sin in the chamber? Are you a saint outside and a devil at home? For shame, what are we at home? What we are at home, that we are indeed. He cannot be a good king whose palace is the haunt of vice, nor he a true saint whose habitation is a scene of strife, nor he a faithful minister whose household dreads his appearance at the fireside. When I read that, it struck me. I'm like, when my kids see me when I come home from a bad day, are they happy to see me? And they're running, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm going to go my kid. Do, do, have I ever done that? Absolutely. And when I was reading just even the words, it's not even scripture, it's the words of a man. Charles Spurgeon, he said, are you one way at home and another abroad? Man, that cut me, cut me hard. I was like, yeah, but on my bad days, Lord, it's, it's a bad day. You know, it's a bad day. See, this was the cry of David's heart. His desire to be holy before his God stemmed from his desire to be in the presence of God. He even stated it early, oh, when will you come to me? When you are at work and the things that are said and the things that are done start to affect you, you need to quote this. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. What happens when you're participating in the things that are wrong or even just not good? See, it starts to enter in unless you stop it. Your family needs you to set the example. And if you are single, your one day spouse or your future spouse needs you to walk in integrity. Your future spouse, they're looking and they're praying for somebody that is something in their, I mean, you're in, who you are in their minds, and they haven't even met you yet, is this like superhero figure that is a godly man. And you're thinking, I want to I ask you a question. Do you singles live up to what your spouse is maybe praying for? Something to think about. This is a hard thing to start, parents. I said I'd talk to you for a second. This is a hard thing to start when you're at the house. Because sometimes the round, those around you or your family, they won't understand the why you're suddenly living a living different way. No, sorry, I can't watch those movies anymore. I, 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 can't, I can't do this any longer. I'm not gonna talk this way any longer. I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna read those books anymore. I'm not gonna look at those magazines. We're not gonna go watch those movies in the theater anymore. And your family might not understand it, but it's important that they see you start it. And it might be hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's something that's fun to do at the beginning. But is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to start somewhere. Change is hard, but stick with it. And see that your bar is high so you have a vision of where you're going. You need to know where you're going and the why you're going there. That way you can stick the course, stay the course when the going gets hard. This has to be a personal change before it can be a family change. Parents, dads, especially hear me. If you're wanting to set the bar, you're wanting to change things up, you're wanting to leave a legacy, it has to be personal before it can be familial. 
It has to be a thing that you do first, and it has to be something that you continue to do before you can say, this is what we're going to do. Because the moment you just say, I'm going to do this, and you change it, your, fa- your kids will grow bitter. Your wife will say, oh, he's just going to get kids. Just give it a week. He'll change again. Don't worry. It's just like a, it's just like a diet. He diets once a month anyway. This won't be a... See, it's got to be something personal before it can be something you start with your family. See, you don't try to take your family somewhere you haven't been before. One of my next points is show the way. Psalms 101 verse 5 says this. In the final minutes of closing, I'm going to talk about this real quickly. And if you want, the, the last point is go the next step. We must set the example before we could lead by example. It says this in verse five. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall minister to me. And he who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. We need to teach our kids the importance of lifting others up instead of tearing them down. We need to teach our children humility and how to share instead of showing them by example pride and selfishness. Instead of sitting on the couch when you get home and watching Sports Center or getting on your phones and ignoring your children and you're saying, you guys need to share. Share with your sister. Really? Are you sharing your time with your own children? And I'm preaching to myself here because work is hard. Life is hard. You want to go home and veg. But your children haven't seen you all day. Your wife haven't seen you all day. And suddenly you just want to separate yourself. And that's okay. Go spend 15 minutes in prayer. You'll be fine. You still like me? No? (laughs) Teach them. If you want to teach them, you must live it. To teach them, you must live it. My next and last step that I'm going to talk to you real quick about is going the next step. It says this in verse 8. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. What? We're going on? No. He's not talking about killing anybody. He's just not putting them in places of authority in his court. He was a king. See, what happens if I change that scripture for us? We're not kings. We're, some of us aren't employee, or employers. What happens if I were to change that scripture for you? Let me reread it in Pastor Josh's New Living Translation. Early I will destroy all the wickedness in my house that I may cut off the evil from entering into my home. Let me read that again for you. Early I will destroy all the wickedness in my home that I might cut off the evil from entering into my home. In our quest to leave a legacy, we have to go the extra mile to ensure that the legacy will last. I'm going to give you a personal example from Pastor Joshua, and I'm not telling you to follow this example exactly, and I'm going to give you some advice at the end. My wife and I, when we got married, we had a choice to make. Do we get a TV or do we not get a TV? Do we have cable? Do we not have cable? Do we have the internet? Do we not have internet? Do we allow magazines into our house? Do we not allow magazines into our house? What do we do? And my wife and I chose not to have TV, not to have internet, not to have magazines, and not to have most anything, really, in our house. 
We really didn't. It was kind of, at the beginning, it was like, well, we can't afford internet anyway, so let's just not get it, you know, when you first get married. (laughs) But see, what happened was we had a conviction on our heart that we would choose certain things. Because the age-old adage, it holds true. What you do in limit, what you do in limit, small amounts, your children will do in excess. See, I want to leave a legacy. This is what I want you to go away with. Tonight, you should take this home with you. Go home, ask God to show you an area that has been hindering your walk with him or maybe your family's walk. Maybe you, don't have, a, you have children at home that aren't following after God. Maybe they're going off their own way. Okay, go home and ask him, what are some areas that are hindering your walk with him or your family's walk? Maybe it could be as simple as forgiving someone in your life. Or maybe it might not be watching certain shows on TV anymore. Whatever it is, listen to the Lord and whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. But don't stop there though. When you take care of that one issue, we're like, yeah, and we have the victory. We're like, woo, right? And we're all excited, but don't stop there. Because maybe he's just showing you one area. See, I, I realized that later in my life while I was celebrating the victories, I stopped my personal development and I had to keep growing. Keep, Lord, how can I grow? How can I better my family? How can I better my relationship at that time with my wife? See, God is always wanting to grow you. He's always wanting to expand you. He's always wanting for you to be a success. He's always wanting you to grow in whatever areas of life you're in, whatever ministry, if you're a doctor, if you're a dentist, if you're a lawyer, if you're a warehouse worker, he wants your ministry there to grow. And he, we have to take that seriously because we, the people around you, they need you to leave them a legacy. They need you to leave a legacy. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.